but throws it down. Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league. Dodgers pulls up three pointer. Don't miss a beat. Whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered. Zion for four for four! Welcome to the NBA! The game is constantly evolving, and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats, we'll give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. Happy Tuesday. Recording here, Tuesday evening, October 26th. We're here. We're going to talk some important stuff, very important stuff. And here joining me here is Ronan Gain, looking like David Aldridge, working the microphone in his hands. I don't know if you're about to sing me the national anthem or we're going to talk some <laughs> basketball, but I, I, I like the vibe. I think we'll go with talk basketball. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Come the end of the show, maybe I'll do the national anthem then. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, your shoulder's gonna be a little sore there, hold, holding <laughs> holding the mic to your face. <laughs> but uh, let's get into it, man. Let, let's talk Lakers. We didn't get the chance to talk Lakers last week, and we, we had so many more positive things to talk about. Um, but what a turnaround! We saw them play the Memphis Grizzlies in a thrilling game where John ja Morant just misses that last free throw that would have put it into overtime, but Melo passes Moses Malone as the ninth scorer of all time. I mean, just an illustrious career. Year 19, still going at it. Frank Vogel said it. he still has some in the tank. Just a magical night for him. Magical night for the Lakers, who look like they've captured the magic that everyone thought they would have going into the season. How are you feeling now that we, we've got a maybe, – maybe we've got a couple of the bad games out of the way. Preseason looked awful. First few games looked awful. There are still some things that look dysfunctional, but – there was definitely some buzz around what they were doing on the court that night. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think uh, one thing I was I was noticing a lot. I was seeing a lot of plays on offense, especially where it was LeBron to Russ to AD to the finish, and that was cool to see. That's something you want to see as a Lakers fan. That's something you've been looking forward to seeing since you heard Russ was coming, and the fact that they're starting to make those plays happen. Is, is just one good sign. Obviously, it's just one win, but you hope this is a, a kickstart for the Lakers to uh, to move on to b- bigger things. I think I was really happy to see Melo just dominate like he did. People trying to question if he still has anything in the, in the tank or can he be a contributor on a team wanting to win a title. I think he showed it the last couple of years. He was able to accept his role in Portland, not that Portland were really challenging for titles, but he was able to minimize his role and still be a strong contributor. And I'm not saying he's going to go 10 of 15, six of eight from three every night off the bench for LA, but he's definitely going to contribute serious scoring off the bench and it's much needed for them. You picked him. I, I think you picked him last year for six man of the year. Didn't you? I think, I think so. Yeah. I, I, I believe, I believe so. And I mean, this year it would look like an even better pick if you had, um, but 28 points off the bench, obviously he's not gonna do that every night. Like you said, but being a plus 19, Malik Monk being a plus 19, 
both of those guys combining for 40 points. And that's the shooting you needed. Um, you, you saw Avery Bradley got two minutes. Rajon Rondo did not get to play. You even saw Austin Reeves getting um, almost 18 minutes there. I mean, they're, they're realizing pretty quickly they need playmaking and floor spacers, even if it's a rookie in Austin Reeves, even if they're losing defense from Carmelo Anthony, who had two blocks and he was looking real active as an off-ball defender. You know, he's poking balls loose. He was really trying to contribute to team defense, something that he's been just absolutely horrific at the past few years and most of his career. But it, I think the point that you made getting there, that connection between those three stars, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, that is a synergy that needs to come throughout the season for things to work out. And you saw that. And it's really interesting. They started to bust out the inverted pick and roll. When you start to see Russell Westbrook, picking for LeBron James and Russ. I mean, you see who's most infamous at it, Draymond Green doing it for the Warriors in that short pick and roll, being an amazing decision maker um, off of people cutting off that action off ball. And Russ is elite at that. And they just started busting it out and they just started using him as a playmaker, as a role man. And I, I think stuff like that is, is going to be fascinating to see how Frank Vogel can get this figured out, this offense figured out. Cause Russ standing in the corner, standing at the wing, is not going to get it done. We saw it the first couple of games, and I don't even know if we want to talk about it, but I think that's something we're going to see for the whole season. That's going to be a struggle all season. If Russ is not active as a screener, as a cutter, if he's sitting around, you're just going to – it's going to be the same old story where there's just not going to be space for Anthony Davis and LeBron James to operate. I mean, they just nobody respects a shot, and they know it. And I, I, I also want to see a little bit – having him staggered a bit more, have him work with that second unit a little bit more. But I, I liked what I saw from, from him in that pick and roll action. Yeah, I'd have to agree. But I think the, the main key to everything working, including Russ, is, is going to be Anthony Davis. He, mm-hmm. He's just got to accept playing at the center. If he wants to yeah. win, if the Lakers want to win an NBA championship, Anthony Davis just has to play as the center. I mean, in that game against the Grizzlies, with AD as the only big on the floor, they were plus 19. Yeah. With either Howard or Jordan on the floor, they were minus 16. Yeah. I know he, he it's always been talked about throughout his career, basically, that he doesn't like playing the five. He pr- prefers to play the four. But this guy has got the footwork, the size, the speed, the athleticism to just dominate. And the inside scoring and shot blocking he provides playing at the five it's crazy that he can't do it. It's not like he's playing in New Orleans where it was basically just his playground and he could do what he wants. Now he's in this LA team. They are going, they've gone all out to win a championship. He needs to sacrifice. He needs to play the five and he needs to do that for this team to succeed. Simple as that. Yeah. I, I loved in uh, offensively him being the lone big man on the floor, having him in DHOs and having him being the, the role man and pick and pop man for both LeBron and Russ having be that active on every possession. I like seeing that. I like seeing him. Don't, don't put him in the corner when Russ and LeBron are there. Don't put him just in, in the post, like having him be a playmaker and almost being like a hub for both LeBron and Russ. Cause you, you want the ball in LeBron and Russ's hands and you want AD rolling to the rim. You want position. You want them to be in the best position that they can really excel at. And, seeing Anthony Davis that active on both ends of the floor. I mean, the guy had four blocks. I mean, he looked like 
you know, the defensive player of the year that I think he should be every year. And Rudy Gobert gets it because, he, I mean, let's let's be honest, he's an animal and he's going to affect offenses as historically as, as one of the best defending centers of all time. But Anthony Davis, when he's active on both ends of the floor and he's guarding way out to the perimeter, I mean, I don't know if he can do this all, all year long. That's always been my concern for him. If you play him at the center like we all want him to, is he going to last? Is he going to play the amount of games you need him to to be competitive for the year? Um, that, I, I think that might, also, that might also be a concern. You know, if you play him full time at the center, is he going to get banged up? I mean, the, the Grizzlies broadcaster said it best. I mean, I've never seen a big man spend so much time on the floor <laughs> as Anthony Davis. I feel like he's always just collecting himself off the hardwood every single game, like every possession. Yeah, it's always it's something you don't notice, but when you do, you can't you can't help but just notice it every time you watch him. <laughs> every play, he's just he's collecting himself off the floor. Um, but then his his guy, their, their competition there. I, I really wanted to see that game against the Grizzlies because I re, I mean you know me, I really believe in this team. I think they have the competition, they have the, that competitive spirit in this young team and the elite talent to do something. And I mean, this year you're seeing the emergence of Desmond Bain. You're seeing the emergence of DeAnthony Melton, a guy who was a one dimensional defender. Um, Pitt, he was pretty much on a two way deal for the Suns a couple years ago and picked up off the scrap heap from Memphis. And now he's shooting threes. He's shooting threes. He's shooting almost, uh, I want to say he's a, over 40% for the year, but he's a volume. He's turning into a volume two way player. And then you got Jaron Jackson Jr. He didn't play that great this game, but it was all about John Moran. When he starts hitting those threes, when, when he pulled up from near 35 feet mm-hmm. and he pulled up with confidence, like he didn't hesitate. I mean, how many times you saw him last year left completely alone at the top of the yard and he'd hesitate. He didn't hesitate at near 35 feet. And that's when he really got going. He shot five for seven that night. And you're not going to see that every single game. But when teams have to start planning that they have to go over, they can't just go under every single game. They can't just get them to drop. I mean, we've said it so many times. How soon is he going to be unguardable? And it was just just getting that shot down. If he has that shot down, I don't know what the limit is for his offensive potential. No, absolutely. It's it's scary for anyone who's not – uh, within the the Memphis organization or a fan of the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, it's time it's it's getting to that time where if you're playing the Grizzlies, you are really nervous about Jam around just going off on your ass. It's it's uh, it was every kind of score he was making against the Lakers. It, the the way he was working inside, the way he was dominating, going past people like they weren't there, and shooting the three. That seems to be what he worked on pretty much all summer. You hear a lot of the a lot of the media and a lot of the, the guys around Memphis saying that he put in the work this summer and we're seeing it early. If if he can maintain any sort of consistency with that with that shot, the sky is the limit for Jamarant. Even even this season, even though he's still a young guy playing in a young team, that's how good this guy can be with that consistent shot. Yeah. And uh, I want to transition here because we've been talking about Jan Jackson. We've been talking about Anthony Davis. And the next guy in line that we've been seeing is this rookie. Let's talk about some rookies here. Evan Mobley has looked I, – I don't know if Addis advertised is the word because we've always talked about the confidence thing. 
not sure if he's as that I mean that's on a scout report yeah the guy doesn't necessarily seek his shot the guy doesn't try and dominate a game the way that a lot of players coming out of college that you want to see in a future star is going to do but the way that he's really made himself feel his presence felt on the court on both sides of the floor as a rookie has has been impressive um I, I had the chance to to see some of his his uh, plays switching out onto John Morant, playing out on the perimeter. I mean, the Cavs talked about going into a three-two zone, treating him like Kevin Garnett, which you know you don't you want to just like kick off any of those comparisons early. I mean, it's, dude's played four games. Like let, let's relax a little bit. Let, let's let's keep the comparisons to a minimum here. But to entrust your rookie to be roaming the paint like that and to be to be switching onto a guy like John Morant. I mean, I, I'm already impressed with just his defensive presence alone. Yeah, I think obviously he he's he still – you can still notice times where he's getting a bit lost on the defense with switches and stuff like that, but the, it's the signs that are good. That happens with all rookies for the most part, unless you're, you're just absolutely outrageously good. But it's the signs that you're looking for. We're only four games in. When you're seeing the signs and, and they're a lot more positive than they are negative, that's kind of all you're really looking for in your rookie. And as well, you, you look at him on the offensive end, he, he's hitting double digits in points. And he, he's it's not like he's the dominant big in there or anything. Jared Allen's like been probably been the, the Cavs' top scorer. You got Larry Markin, and he's another big that's in there kind of stuffing that. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, people on that Cavaliers team that are trying to score in the paint. So yeah. it's pretty impressive. Wait, 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 I got to stop you, right? Lowry is apparently a small forward, okay? He's a, he's a wing now. <laughs> he's a wing. Hey, I will say, doing I, I, I'm there. happy. I'm happy he's showing some signs of life as a role player. That's been good to see. Signs of life. <laughs> yeah. Man, I'm 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 glad, you know, I the, the rose-colored glasses came off. And, you know, I, I see Lowry for for what he is. I mean, he's a great guy, but I I, I don't know. I still don't know what, what the Cavs are thinking. Signing up. I, I want to see Okoro out there. I mean, get get Okoro out there, let him develop as a scorer let him develop with that first unit i mean, I, I think it's crazy he's starting but back to evan mobley um I mean, you mentioned the scoring the, the three level scoring he's showing right now that's i mean you want to talk chris bosh you want to talk kevin garnett talk about him. fine um they're they're all negative defenders in their first year so i what i don't want to see is people start to bring up all the uh all the defensive acumens that you got for kg and for bosh when you know he's just a rookie he's not going to get there yet none of them did but for a three-level scorer Evan Mobley's doing it as a rookie I think that's just a testament to the skills that players come come into the league with right now mm-hmm. I mean no they, this is not something that in the early 2000s that was going to happen I mean you didn't see this in the in the 90s you didn't see this in the early 2000s and for the fact that Evan Mobley can come in you know he's his volume from three has been low. I mean, he's only taking four shots, but to see him pull up from mid range, I mean, he has a stroke, he's shown it in college and he, that's clearly going to translate over once he starts taking threes. And the fact that he can make quick decisions in the mid post passing to cutters and the fact that he can be a playmaker. I mean, I think when the Cavs found that opportunity to draft Mobley, their vision was that he's going to be the playmaking hub. And that's why I'm still convinced that Sexton is not going to be the guy moving forward. And Garland's really taken over there. Sexton's Mm -hmm. touches have went from, I I want to say 74 to 56 per game from last year. 
I, I don't see how he's going to improve this year. And I only see it Mobley's role growing. And I hate to, to go from giving uh, Mobley shine to jumping into trade talk. I mean, I feel like everything we, everything we do just somehow <laughs> funnels into trade con Sexton. But, but th- that's just how I see it. Cause the Cavs are a really interesting young team here. And, I, and I'm not sure that Sexton is really going to be the guy that they build with given the emergence of Mobley's playmaking abilities. And no, I have to agree as much as, you know, I'm the big, big, big guy, uh, Sexton and Sexland as a whole, but uh yeah, I think the Cavs have made it clear that Garland is their guy. I think that's that's something they have made clear. And now they're seeing Mobley come in. And the fact that he's, in two of the four games that he's played, he's led the team in minutes, while Sexton's minutes mm-hmm. have been uh, certainly lowered from, from last season and probably lowered to, uh, to what he was expecting this year. Like Rubio's getting getting big minutes in his spot. You're seeing Kevin Love come back into the into the rotation and doing bits in fairness, in fairness to him. But... Everything Mobley's showing, it, it's all positive. Obviously, it's it's early, but the potential is real, and that's the main thing we're talking. We're still talking about here. But in fact, he's shown an ability to score with both hands. He's shown patience when he gets into positions to score. Yeah. He's making plays for others. He's he's he's, re, he's showing signs of being a great reader of the game. I mean, this, this guy is really really impressive, and it's kind of it's going to be cool. Like you said, we're not going to see him looking to dominate games like we're probably going to see from the likes of Jalen Green and uh, and Cunningham this year whenever he finally gets on the floor. There's going to be games where they're going to, it's going to go go all out. But Evan Mobley is going to be a real impressive player on both ends of the court this year, and it's going to be a great, great standing point for him to kick on and really become probably the new face of this Cavs franchise. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the patience. The patience. You mentioned Jalen Green. Um, scoring 30 points against Boston United, just showing up. <laughs> that, that shooting skill is unbelievable. Going eight of 10 from three. And they're high difficulty shots. And he's not just getting wide open shots. He uses elevation, shoots the three. But Jalen Green has kind of that typical frenetic rookie play to him. He's, he's has plenty of moments where he's reading the floor and he's able to execute a play in team offense. But a lot of the time, you know, it's end of shot clock, situation and you know the, the Rockets are gonna have a tough time this year um getting their offense going with so many young guys but but a lot of it is somewhat desperation playmaking but you see out of Evan Mobley he's patient and he's looking for the right shot he's looking to play the game the right way and the Cavs need that the Cavs absolutely need that I, to have that in Mobley to see more development out of Garland in that uh aspect I I think that you know, just get Lowry Marcus back on the bench. Get a Coro out there. Let let a Coro grow because I, I think that's a guy who's gonna have more potential there. But um, just gonna drop this because maybe you mentioned it. I don't know if you were the one, but Sexton for Simmons. The money doesn't work out there, but there's plenty of filler to make it work. But that that that's a trade that's been coming out. It's make make two parties happy. Yeah, it's just just a question of uh, what what Philly think of. Uh... What Philly think of Sexton, uh, and probably more more so the point, how confident is Daryl Morey about pinching uh, James Harden from uh, from book from Brooklyn? What? What? You, all right, we're, we're, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's a little late over there in, in Ireland. I think uh, we'll, we'll we'll get back to that another time, maybe. 
All right, fine. But thinking of think, speaking of a guy who a young guy who's looking to become the face of his franchise, Anthony Edwards. We were talking big oh, about yeah. him the last few weeks, and after their lot their their loss to the Pelicans last night, he came out and basically just said, "It's on me. It's on me to be the guy to to make this team the best that it can be." He says, coming out saying, "It's on me to challenge KD and D'Lo to." to share the ball and to, to make this team the best that it can be. And every time I hear this guy talk, I just, I just fall more in love with him. He, he, he's just a, he's just an awesome player and he's clearly ready to be the man in Minnesota. And he clearly thinks that it's not Kat's job to lead this team. It, it, it's my job. And obviously he's getting that feeling from the front office, from the coaching staff as well, or else he wouldn't, I know he's a confident guy, but surely if he's not getting it from the front office and the coaching staff, he he ain't coming out and making comments like this. Yeah, I, I love I love how the personalities really match up there because Cat's never been a super outspoken guy. He seems to have more of like a calming, pensive presence. And um, D'Lo is D'Lo. You know, he's, he's never been kind of that vocal leader. So Ant's pretty is going to be huge regardless of what's happening on the court. They need to have someone who's vocal. Um, but I, I forget, did we, did we have the chance to talk about Timberwolves last week? Yeah, we did talk. We talked some T-Wolves. We did. Okay, because I'll, I'll at least give a shout-out to the fact their defense has looked stellar, if anything. I mean, their, their offense is going to come along working in those three guys. But their defense has looked amazing. Josh Akogi, I mean, give that guy a jump shot, and that is one of the best – two-way wings in the league. I mean, they, they have the ability to get stops on defense. And it was really disappointing to see them lose against the Pelicans. I mean, a team that is just struggling without Zion, struggling to find offense, struggling to not turn over the ball a million times a night. But it, it's surprising to, to see them lose that game. And I'm, I'm curious to see where that defense takes them because that's really the next level for them. They're going to figure out their offense, but – to see them have that energy and really make the statement that they said in the beginning, they want their culture to be defense. They want it to be hustle. A lot of teams say that everybody says that, but they're really showing it on the court. They're, they're really leaving it out there. Yeah. But that, that's a, that's a big thing that, that Ant was, uh, was keen to comment on. He's talking about their, their need to share the ball. He's saying he's got to get the likes of McDaniels, Koji, Beasley, all those sort of guys. They, they've got to get in the ball. He's, he literally said, they're going to stop fighting so hard for us on defense if we're never going to share them the ball on the on offense. He, he, he's he's open. He's openly said that he's he's saying that he used to think he could lead with just his game and and that was enough. But now he's seeing that he's got to be the voice on this team. He's got to be the leader that that cat ha- is not. And last night it was very evident. The Timberwolves had ninety shot attempts and. I think 29 shots came from the rest of the team, whereas then you see the 61 coming from Edwards, Towns, and D'Lo. I mean, they, they're going to get their shots, but they've got to find a way to work the rest of the team in or or they're going to struggle in games. I mean, you look at Kat and Ant, uh, they're plus 42 when they've been on the court together this season, but then despite having a two and one record, the aggregate score from all their games is only plus 16 and they haven't really played any overly impressive teams. And yeah. that's, that's coming from a lack of scoring from, from the rest of the team. And, and it, 
it's something that it's good that they're calling it uh, this early in the season and saying this is something we have to work on because it definitely is and it's definitely something that if they can improve it, it's it's a good sign moving forward for this team yeah and I, and I think in terms of getting the everyone else involved I, I think it's going to come down to pace and they, they played at a at a pretty good pace but getting getting more fast break points right now they're first in the league and fast rate points per game. That's got to continue. That's got to continue. And as the more that they contribute on defense, the more that they can get downhill, they can get everybody shots. I mean, that that's going to be where it comes from. Um, and that's really been the feeling. I'll, I'll segue here to, to the Bulls. I, mean, I feel very similarly about the Bulls. You know, offensively, there's, there's a lot of things that need to go right. Um, for them to be competitive in the playoffs right now, the way I see it, the Bulls. But the same same issue is that, you know, defensively things look great and you just got to keep it going. But offensively, the system's going to take time when you have three guys who can score really well and score on their own. But to get that set up in a good pace and to get it set up in a good rhythm, that chemistry is going to take a little bit of time. You didn't, yeah, they've they've played uh, how many games of D'Lo, Cad, and and played together. I want to say 14, 15 games just last season. I mean, they barely played together. Um, so, I mean, that could take all season, but what's going to keep them in the hunt, what's going to keep them in that play-in projection is that defense. If they can stay a top three defense, <laughs> this is not going to happen. But right now they're a top three defense, but if they can compete to be a top 10 defense, I mean, that would be massive improvement over what has been a bottom feeder defense for years now. Um, so, in all, I, I'm still impressed with what I see in Timberwolves. Bad game against Pelicans, um, but they're going to learn. Clearly, the maturity is there, and it's growing. Um, but, again, i got to pull myself back to my bullets. You said you, you'd let me. You, you said you'd let me celebrate a little bit, but yeah. I'm not going to. I'm not going to celebrate because I think we're going to have more. Is it the first time we've had four wins in a row and to open a season since 95-96? Yeah, 96, 97. It's okay. 96, 97. Okay, thank you. Thank <laughs> you, Chris Master. Um, what was it? Was the first time that Zach Levine's ever won four games in a row in the NBA? Yeah. This is the first time we won our home opener since Jimmy Butler in the three alphas. Yeah. But, but this team has a little ways to go. You saw DeMar DeRozan drag them to a win against Toronto, which was a great way for him to have a little homecoming. But they're going to need to figure things out between him, Vooch, and Levine. And what they're doing great, again, is defense. I mean, they're all over the place. Lonzo Ball's all over the place. Caruso's all over the place. They're, they're guys off the bench all over the place. Javante Green looks amazing. Alize Johnson looks like a, a mini Rodman. Pat Williams really needs to step up. I mean, that's the one thing I got to say is I'm really concerned about the lack of aggression, the lack of fortitude he's had to take shots. I mean, every time he's getting balls in the corner, he's hesitating and he's taking that classic rookie one dribble pull up. I mean, he really needs to get his confidence up in the way that he had it in the summer league. So, I mean, that, that for me is a concern. Zach Levine going scoreless, um, nearly scoreless in every first quarter is not a concern to me. I'm, I'm really curious about how that dynamic is going to go because it seems like the slow starts come from them just trying to figure out all right who's gonna who's gonna score here. So I, I think that's just the dynamic you have when you have three talented offensive guys. Is where, where do you where do you start? So I'm not really sure where that 
chemistry grows from? What, what is that? It certainly it ain't hurting the overall scoring of Levine early on. It, it, which is insane. Which is, I mean, if if DeRozan wasn't there, I mean, we probably wouldn't be four and zero. But I mean, th- this guy, if if he wants to take every shot, he can. But I think that comes from maturity of he's really letting the game come to him. And that, I think that's a big step towards winning basketball is he's letting the ball come to him. He's not going to have to score 30 points a night in order for this team to win games. Obviously, look at him right now. But I, I, I will be pleasantly surprised if we come out of this, this next stretch another 4-0 because we're facing some tough teams here. We're facing 76 we're facing the Celtics. You know, we're, we're, we're going to have some, some difficulty. Yeah, of course, but that's exactly what you want to you want to see. You want to see your teams winning the games that you're supposed to win, and then you kind of wait and see. You're on good form when you're going into the games that are up against really see the teams that you want to be competing with come uh, come the postseason. That's that's where you really lay down the markers. But I mean, a little thing like Levine passing uh, Michael Jordan for the most for the fourth most threes made for uh, for the <laughs> Chicago Bulls, like a little thing like that. Obviously, we all know that the, the three wasn't a big deal back when, when MJ was playing and all that sort of stuff. But just being Zach Levine and hearing that you passed Michael Jordan in a stat for the Chicago Bulls must just make you feel like a god amongst men. <laughs> hearing something like that must give you a serious confidence boost. And at the very least thinking, all right, now it's time for me to become the, the number one there in three-pointers three made for the Chicago Bulls. I think the best thing that we've seen from the Bulls is how good the defense has been because that's the main, that's the real thing that, that you coach and can, can come quicker than, compared to the offense. But then you know you've got the likes of DeRozan, Levine, and Busevic. They're all guys who are going to come up with clutch plays when one's not firing, the other two are. And give it a month or so, and they will have figured out how to each get their shot and how to each score their baskets. And the Bulls will look like a much more fluid unit. But the big thing for them is the defense is working early. And as long as that keeps up, they're going to be in a good position come come the end of the year. Yeah, I believe that. I mean, there's a reason why uh, Chicago is fifth in defensive efficiency, first in uh, – in deflections and Caruso's leading the league in steals. I mean, these are all contributions that are going to stick. And I, I believe that. I, I think things will come together. These guys are veterans. These guys are mature players, and they're going to be dedicated to figuring it out. I mean, they all know what their games are. That, that's the thing with these stars. You know, you don't have a collection of young stars who are trying to carve their way into the league. Zach Levine is trying to make the next step into an all-NBA player. But you know what Vooch is. You know what, what DeRozan is, and they know their role. Um and yeah, man, it's, it's, it's exciting to actually look at this and, and, and think how much better they can get. Cause the defense was a concern. The defense was, I mean, I wasn't very concerned about it cause I thought it was projectable, but playing four guards on the floor. I mean, that's not easy to do, but they're doing it and they're doing it with hustle. They're doing it with deflections. I mean, even Vooch has, has been getting in there for steals. It's, it's been impressive effort all along. Um, but an interesting point on the three is Michael Jordan, I thought would have been, you know, a top three. I mean, he wasn't a three-point shooter, but I thought he would have been up there. But Scottie Pippen is now third at 664. Good old Ben Gordon, 773 pointers made. You know who's at the who's almost first? Captain Kirk Heinrich, man. 1,049 three-pointers made. That, that's Zach's only halfway there. 
<laughs> he's got a little ways to go. He does, but he's got the he's got plenty of time to do it, right? Yeah, and then, I mean, except for the haters are gonna say he's gonna leave in the off season, all that nonsense. Yeah. Look, this is how exciting it is in Chicago. I actually applied to be the uh, the head correspondent for the Bulls for the Chicago Tribune. That's how that's how excited I am about the Bulls. I want to go. I want to get over there and be covering them. You know. <laughs> you'd all live in your basement she would move <laughs> over there i'll cover them with you but uh a team we've been keeping an eye on the celtics we had timmy t on last week to talk about some of the failures they've had in a really electric game last night against charlotte we talked about the lakers turning things around with energy with defense and figuring out their offensive identity how about the celtics making a statement an overtime win to really shut down the hornets shut down the mellow and get a much-needed win against a team. We'll talk about the Hornets, too, because they've been super impressive. But huge win for Celtics, huge win for Ima Yudoka. Um, are you feeling a little better about them right now? Yeah, of course. When you see uh, both Brown and Tatum go off in unison like they did in that game, you can't help but feel good. I mean, I think it was the the win before that. Yeah, Yudoka basically just came out and said about Tatum, he was just like, yeah, I think maybe I'll just stop telling you what to do. I've never averaged uh, 27 <laughs> points a season. So, yeah, you just go do your thing, and uh, I think it will work out for us in the end. And uh, kind of felt like he let him do that Let him do that last night, and uh, he certainly answered the call al- along with Brown. And it, it was just really impressive. I think Marcus Smart also had a good night. I think on the whole, it, it was kind of like this was like the, a bit of a turning point for, for the Celtics after a so-so start to the season. They've had... Uh, a few issues but overall it's just been just been the the growing pains with with, with a new coach and, and sort of a new look to the team and you hope uh, the manner of the performance last night and the impressive uh output from both brown and tatum will be a way for them to kick on now and, and really start showing that on a consistent basis yeah i think i think it was just effort man that's yeah. That's what it comes down to. Seeing Marcus Smart really get in it on defense in overtime. I mean, as a team, they held the seven points. Uh, that's a team that has been really crushing it late in games, past past few games here, early in the season again. But um, I, I was impressed with the energy. And that that's an energy that you can build off of. You can build off of that. Um, I'm still concerned about Marcus Smart. Goes three for 12, one for nine from three. And this starting lineup with Schroeder, Smart, and Robert Williams. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't like that. I, I don't like that. I don't like having Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum surrounded by non-shooters. Um, I, I Dennis Schroeder himself going six of 14 four for nine from three wasn't bad, but he doesn't command any gravity and neither does Marcus Smart command any gravity from three. I I'd really want to see them put, I, I want to see Peyton Pritchard more in, in the starting lineup, to be honest. I want to see, a real shooter. I mean, he, he doesn't have the gravity right now, but I think you give him more shots, more opportunity. That's going to be something that's, that's going to be a little more significant. How about Grant Williams, the way he's been shooting the ball recently, didn't have it going last night, but I want to see them be a little bit more creative with that. Maybe Aaron Lee Smith can finally carve out a rotation, but the, the shooting doesn't seem sustainable in the starting lineup, um, at, at least in the short term. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think, I think Shatter is kind of the big one. Uh, you'd hope obviously there's been different sort of issues with smart over really kind of the past, the past year almost, if it feels like, but 
you kind of feel like with the with the hustle and everything he provides on the defensive end that the shot will will ultimately come back for him. But I think definitely, especially early in the season, they they got to try and, and figure out what could be the most productive lineup for them. And, and I I would agree. I I don't know if if Schroeder as a starter is is the best way for them to go. Yeah, and all in all, they they needed that win. They and they got it against a really hungry Charlotte team. I mean, how how impressed have you been with Charlotte? How impressed have you been with Miles Bridges? Yeah. I mean, he's been going off these past few games and the things that he's been doing off the dribble, you saw it in spurts last year, but he's consistently doing it. He's he's consistently attacking closeouts and really putting the ball on the floor in the way that I, I haven't at least noticed. Maybe I haven't watched enough, but I have not noticed this level of of ball handling talent that he has. We all know what he can do in the open court. We all know what he can do down the lane. We all know he's a much improved scorer. But to add that dimension to his game, that's that's something that's intriguing to me because one issue we've thought about when it comes to the Hornets is Gordon Hayward. How many games is he going to play? How healthy is he going to be? I think they have pretty good insurance here. If Gordon Hayward misses time, you give more opportunity to Bridges. You give more opportunity to P.J. Washington to fill to fill in roles there. I think there's there's really something there for them to have long-term success in the regular season to be sustainable in the playoffs. I, I have a little bit more hope now if this is a real improvement that we're seeing from Bridges. Yeah, 100%. I mean, to think that Bridges is the was the Eastern Conference Player of the Week. I know those awards probably don't mean Deserves much it. Yeah. to professions, but it's pretty pretty impressive that, that he went out and did that. I mean, he's averaging... 25 points near nine nine boards a game the guy is putting up and putting out and to do it against a team like the Brooklyn Nets obviously they haven't had the greatest start to the season but that's got to fill a team uh, like Charlotte just with huge huge confidence obviously it's their first ever 3-0 start in franchise history that's another big boost for them uh, but er- everything just seems to be slowly coming together that little bit more and it's it's kind of a year at the end of the day, MJ is the owner here. He wants to win with this team. He doesn't want to just make money off this team and just be cool that he owns a, an NBA team. And you think, you look at the way the role players are stepping up. You look at the way that if Hayward is out, you're probably not going to be as worried as as you might have been last season. And you got a guy like Lamelo Ball who's really looking like he's ready to to do big things in his second year in the league. And mm-hmm. it, it's going to be exciting in, in Charlotte. And if this is a s- sustainable way for them to keep playing, if Bridges, like you said, can, can keep just, obviously he's not going to stay to the, to the level he's currently at, but if he can, if he's his improvements in shooting and just his all round game are, are for real, this could be this, they are definitely going to be challenging to not only be, having to deal with the plan, but maybe even looking to challenge uh, beyond that. I, I, I agree. I, I don't see why they shouldn't be shooting for seven or six seed. I mean, there's, this is a really competitive Eastern conference, but everyone can make an argument for themselves. And absolutely. Um, but dude, we got, we got to talk about that fit, you know, that Lamborghini matching his suit. I mean, he looked like, he looked like a Batman supervillain. Uh, and then the next night he's out there in a, in a wife beater and it looked like he almost like spent all his money on that, on that one fit. And like, what, what do you do with that? Does that just sit in your closet? You can't wear that twice, right? That, that's not, that's just the once for the media, right? Does that go to, 
Oh, like charity? I, what is I like Disney just like sitting there right side when he's while he's at home, like <laughs> watching highlights. I don't, I don't have a dinner just sitting in that suit. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they just hold on to it for a while and then and then put it up for auction or something something like that. So someone in Charlotte started checking the the goodwill out there. You might find a crazy <laughs> neon yellow suit out there. Um, but on, on Lamella, just the, the maturity shown, and I, I said it last year, and I still see it now the way this team moves the ball all stems from how unselfish he is and how instinctive he is with his passing. And you're seeing it right now in the stats. Um, I, I Early on the season, I don't like to harp too much on stats because I, I think a lot of things get muddled in whatever matchups you get. You don't really have a good sample size, but in a, just to paint the picture, they're second in assist to turnover ratio. They're second in assists per game. They're second in points per game because of their frenetic pace. I mean, they're, they're shooting 40, they're shooting 98.8 field goals per game. That's a league best. And if they can keep up this pace with their youth and they can keep up their attack on the basket, they can keep up their three-point shooting as well. I mean, they're, they're, they're shooting 40% from, the, from three as a young team. That's not easy to do with young guys. It's not easy to do without, you know, elite shooters. But all of them can shoot. I'm, I'm really excited for this team. I'm, I'm excited – where they land and well i think a team that's going to be seeing them in the playoffs and this would be an awesome awesome matchup is the pacers they already handed it to the pacers got their revenge earlier on the season but i, I want to revert back talk real quick close here with the surprise i think one of the biggest maybe not biggest surprises but you know we talk about scotty brown uh scotty barnes sorry talk about Jalen green talk about evan mobley we got to talk about Chris Duarte. Yeah. Dude's a, dude's a bucket. He's a bucket. I mean, he he's an old rookie for sure, but he looks like a veteran player. He, he's the, he looks like the ideal old rookie that you get that comes on the court and is immediately balling. I mean, that this guy is already scoring 20 points a game, five rebounds, two assists. I mean, I haven't seen a rookie start like that in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been, it's been really impressive. He's shooting 45% from three. He's getting extended minutes. Obviously, the, the Pacers have only got their first win there last night, I think it was. But all These the are games, close games, though, yeah. Yeah, it's all, it's all been close. It's all been really tight and, and close games. And he, like you said, he's, he's just showing everything that was expected of him. And he's yet to miss a free throw in the NBA. He's gone 10 for 10 uh, across, uh, across his four games. I mean, this guy has been, he's been super impressive and Indiana may have really got a steal here. The fact that this is a guy who can deliver like this just coming into the league, and if he stays anywhere around these sort of numbers for the season, that is a huge, huge plus for the Pacers. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I wonder I wonder what their ceiling is. Um, I think, you know, this has been close games. They lost by one point to Charlotte. They lost by one point to Washington. Um, and then their other loss against Milwaukee. But that win against against Miami. That was encouraging. Um, I'd, I'd like to see Sabonis continue the shooting because he, he's been looking really impressive pulling up from three and adding that to his game. Sabonis is another guy who could take a leap because you, you look at these players, you wonder, all right, how are they going to add to the game? And you know, one problem with Sabonis' game is he can't shoot from three. If he's able to stretch the floor, he's able to be a playmaker, not just from the, the low post or mid post. If he can play make from the beyond the arc, keep guys honest. I mean, that's when you start talking Jokic stuff. Um, 
I, I think hey, that's saw in Turner the, going the off from three. If Turner can do it, I, I hope Sabonis can too. <laughs> that's that's the way that works. If so, and that that's actually a huge thing too. If if he can, if he can stretch the floor, if he can allow for Turner to get some points inside and have them be have them match up a little bit more because that felt like an awkward fit at times when the lane was just a little too clogged, the two bigs and miles Turner just got relegated to this stretch big. If that's, if Sabonis is able to switch it up a little bit and, and stretch the floor, I mean, that opens things up a lot for these guards to play alongside both those bigs. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And I think there's, there's still elements of this team that, that we haven't even got to see yet. We haven't really seen that yeah, we're waiting. still waiting on Levert. Like what, what's he going to be able to do with, with this team this year? It's, He's a guy where on one hand you're like this this guy could really kick off. This is gonna be his first kind of full season where he's he's gonna be kind of one of the leaders of, of a team, but he's gotta get on the floor. He's had a lot of issues. Can he can he recover from them and really show show his best self? That that's gonna be interesting. And if he can, the Pacers again, they, that that'll be another another big thing, another strength of their bow. And the Pacers, they're always a team I like. They've obviously they've got a they've got a top head coach. They are just gonna be solid. They're gonna be tough to beat. They're a team you do not want to face when you're in the postseason because they are grafters and they will fight for every single inch on the floor. And that's that's just the pay. That's how I will always picture the Pacers. And I think that's the way they'll always want to be looked at. Yeah. I mean, I'm interested to see when Levert comes back. What we're Where's minutes gonna be at? Because this is a deep team. They've got they've got a really heavy wing rotation there, and you want to see him take the next step. But it's tough with these injuries piling up. It's tough to just make a smooth return. So if Chris Duarte keeps playing really really well, Malcolm Brogdon keeps playing really really well. If TJ Warren continues to play efficiently, do do you bring Levert off the bench? Even I mean, there's even an argument for that just to just to get him acclimated. Um, but we'll, we'll see. It's it's early in the season. There's a lot of positive things coming out here that, and a lot of surprises um, and mentioned him in passing, but I don't think we talked enough about Scotty Barnes. I mean, this guy, it, we, we run out of time here, but man, I, I just got to shout him out. Seeing him play against the Bulls, seeing him here and there um, throughout these past few games, dude looks comfortable. And I think they made, I think Toronto absolutely made the right pick, getting him over Suggs. Um, mm-hmm. That team has tremendous potential having him, OG, Pascal, all really lanky defenders who can put the ball on the floor, that's going to be a problem for years. Yeah, 100%. You know, I was huge on Scotty Barnes coming out of the draft. I, I was I loved the pick from, from Toronto. I love the fit, and I love how he's showing, how he's putting up and showing out uh, early in this season. Uh, the Raptors, you still don't really know for sure what their ceiling is this, this season. It, it's still all got to come together. We still got to see see Akum come back into the to the team. He, he's been injured, but what I'm seeing from Scotty Barnes ha, has me really excited for for his future as a player in this NBA. So, most important question. We'll close with this: Knicks and Bulls playing this Thursday. It is Joakim Noah night. You know I'm repping right now. <laughs> What, what's your predictions here? What, what do you hope to see from your next to survive the great red Leviathan? Yeah, I guess uh, I want to see Barrett do a similar job on Levine like he did on, on Jason Tatum on, on opening night. Need to see some big scoring again out of Fournier and, and Randall and hopefully 
Rose gets more minutes than Kemba. <laughs> That's for sure. I, I I expect I expect a big night out of Levine. You now Levine Levine loves to ball out against the Knicks. That's a fact. Where are we on? Are we in uh, we 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 in New York? Or are we in Chicago? We're in Chicago this game. Um, next time it's Bulls at Knicks in, on in December. But for now, you're playing the UC. You're playing in the Windy City. Let's go. I'm I'm taking I'm taking my Bulls. 115 to, to 110. It's gonna be it's gonna be a little bit lower scoring game, but I think the Bulls are gonna finally pull pull the covers. They're gonna they're gonna figure it out a little bit here. I think, and except for Mitchell Robinson, that's the one guy I'm really scared of. I'm a little scared of Mitchell Robinson. I don't I don't I don't want him to see him blocking Levine shots, blocking everything at the rim. That, that's the one guy I really fear. I'm happy to I'm happy I'm happy to see that. I think he could be a difference maker. Uh, see what his health's like. See what the what the bigs we got backing him up can do, but. Hey, if RJ can contribute that a little bit more on offense, I still think the Knicks can can take you guys on. Well, everybody, we'll, we'll see. We'll have a a reveal on Friday. We'll, we'll talk about that game, see how it went. Um, I know everybody's dying to know how the Bulls and Knicks are doing. I mean, that's that's what this podcast is all about. See red, bleed orange, whatever that's going to be. But guys, thanks for joining on again this week. We'll be back again soon. We'll be talking more Western Conference this week. I think we've been a little East heavy. We're supposed to be coast to coast right now. We're East Coast. I mean, the East Coast is is real fun. I mean, the, the fact that we, we can just go on and talk top to bottom, Cavs all the way to Bulls, all the way to Nets, and find something interesting. It's it's a beauty. I love it. All day. It's been it's been it's been West heavy for the last for the last four, what five years. I think it's time it's time that the East had to bounce back. It's about time. But all right, my friend. Always good talking ball with you. We'll speak soon. Take care. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Coast to Coast. Don't forget to hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show. And remember, take every shot and love every moment.